Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to GTO Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love acceptance and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten, your host. Um, I just want to take a moment at the top of the show to thank you uh, for listening. Thank everyone for listening. Those of you who tune in when we're live, um, we are live today. So if you're listening live and you want to call in or email a question, um, you can feel free to do that because we're going to be talking about releasing our resentments today which might not sound like a fun topic and having resentment is not fun, but I'll tell you what is fun, releasing them and freeing yourselves from them. Um, So anyway, more on that in a moment, but I did want to just talk about the reach of the show. Um, So just in our initial kind of 13 week run, um, we have reached humans in the United States, Malta, where I live part of the time. Hi, Malta. Uh, Japan, Canada, Australia, India. We had a listener in India, which I think is our friend Roland, um, who was there um, helping to open a a beautiful new addiction recovery center. So I did see we had an India listener. Uh, France, we've had um, listeners in Taiwan, Romania, Germany, Russia, Mexico. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone um, who's tuning in. Um, We do make this show for you, and I hope that we're giving some content that is uh, informative and entertaining and also that helps you to move forward in your life in a way that just helps you free yourself and feel better. Because honestly, this is our only life, and if we're suffering in it and we can do something to alleviate our own suffering, oh my goodness, um, I'm just here to spread the word that we can do that. We we can make our own lives better. Okay, so resentments. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I, I did quite a lot of thinking about this topic as I was preparing to talk to you today. And so first, I just wanted to define it. Um, and sometimes when you define something and then you dig a little bit into that definition, it, it kind of, it might not surprise you, but it might confirm why having a resentment feels so icky. So the, um, the, the dictionary definition of a resentment is bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly. So I broke that down. What is bitter? Bitter is angry, hurt, or resentful because of one's bad experiences or a sense of unjust treatment. What is indignant? Indignant is anger or annoyance provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. And what is unfair? Unfair is unkind, inconsiderate, unreasonable, and not based on the principles of equality and justice. So um, that is that is the nuts and bolts um, of what a resentment is. But here's the thing that I really want to convey to you today. 
when we break apart the word resentment, it comes from two things, uh, from Latin, I believe. So re means to repeat. And scent, in this case, comes from sense or sentience, which is to feel or experience. So when we think about the words that I used before, angry, hurt, annoyed, unkind, inconsiderate, unreasonable. So those are those are at the heart of what it feels like to have a resentment. But in but in reality, we are also re-feeling those things. To resent is to re-feel and to re-experience. This could include an event or many events and interactions that have taken place, for instance, over the course of a relationship. So sometimes it's not just one thing. Sometimes it is a series of things or a compounding of things um, that creates this re-experiencing, this, re- this resentment. So when we re-feel and we re-experience a situation, it is typically accompanied by a narrative, right, that we're telling ourselves. So that's completely normal. Um, what happens inside of us as humans is when uncomfortable emotions um, occur, they kind of beg to be explained. Now, that's not an emotions job. An emotions job is to be felt. Okay. But humans don't always have the easiest time going ahead and naming and feeling their emotions, which we're going to talk a lot more about um, today as we go through this process. Um, so emotions that are strong and uncomfortable, they kind of they kind of beg to be explained because we think if we can explain them, we can make them go away. That is not true. Um, they don't go away. They demand to be felt. That is their job. We are human and we need to feel emotion. It's okay. I know it's scary um, and it does take practice. So those things might sound kind of simple, like, well, sure, I should be able to name an emotion and then go ahead and feel that emotion. But let me tell you, um, I've been working with people in various ways for 30 years, um, all genders, um, all genders on the gender continuum, um, and a tremendous number of human beings when asked what they are feeling, sort of freeze and go blank. And that can feel that can feel kind of terrible. That can feel like that in and of itself um, means maybe that there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. That is um, due to the way that we're socialized. So depending upon how you were socialized around your emotions, you might be able to name them and feeling feel them and you might not be able to name them and feel them because it does take practice. So um, each time we engage with this narrative, right, that is starting to be created around our emotion, it compounds the emotions that we're feeling and then it ingrains these sort of painful memories and emotions in us and we believe the narrative. It feels very real. It feels even permanent, but it isn't. It's made up and it's made up by self-hate which I'm going to explain. So if we continue to feed and water the narrative and repeat it to ourselves and feel the pain of the story, 
and the memories, we will perhaps be right. It might actually become permanent because we are inadvertently making it permanent. However, we're in charge of it. We are in charge. Not the person who did the thing. That is not where the power lies. We are in charge. You are in charge of it. You can scoot self-hate out of the way and take charge of the narrative. So remember that unless you're in a situation where something is happening to you repeatedly, which um, does present the need to make a, a probably a different choice for yourself so that you can at least stop the repetitive nature of the wounding that you're experiencing. So I'm going to just acknowledge that, but also set it to the side. And for the case, for in the case of this example, let's assume that the event or the situation that occurred is over. It's no longer happening to you. Anything that's over and is no longer happening to you is eligible to be let go. It's eligible to be forgotten, to go the way of so many things that we simply forget because we're not spending our energies to keep it active in our minds and bodies. In my 52 years of life, the percentage of things that I remember <laughs> is so is so much less than the percentage of things that I've experienced. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Maybe what? Do I remember 1%, 2% of all the things that have happened in my life? So it's really okay. Some things are okay to forget. Um, it can go to the archive. Um, you can take out the trash. You can call the movers. Whatever visualization helps you um, to move something out, go on ahead and move it out. Okay, so when we feel bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly, we, we typically react. Here's the beginning of the narrative usually for people. So we typically say something along the lines of this, this should not be happening. This should not be happening to me. Things should not be this way. I don't deserve this. How could they have done this to me? How could they treat me like that? Okay. So this is a completely normal human response. However, it is also the beginning of the narrative that we create around this situation or event or wound. We, we cry foul. Absolutely not. No, this is, this should not be happening. And that in and of itself takes us out of the now and creates a comparison of what is to what you believe should be. Okay. So I know somebody did something to you. I know. And you're thinking, well, wait, but somebody did something to me. Yes. But the moment you reject your reality, you invite comparison. Comparison of what is to what you tell yourself should be. And when we do that, it creates suffering. You can feel it in your body. It feels like stress. It's going to feel like a jolt of adrenaline. It's going to feel like stress. It's going to be whatever happens in your body when something goes sideways for you and you basically reject that something and say, no, I don't accept this. Now, the alternative is to accept, to live in acceptance, 
of what has occurred and not to reject it, even when that something is painful and gross and, and, and awful and we don't like it, we can still accept it. And in doing so, we can start to head off the narrative um, that we would otherwise be creating. And we also right away start to get at our own suffering and start to prevent it a bit. All right. So let's say the thing has happened. So we're going to just say we have we have a resentment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through a, a four-step process. And this this first process that we're going to talk about, I'll start it before the break, and then um, we'll continue in the second segment. These are going to be for resentments that you already have um, that have been maybe bugging you for a while or perhaps bugging you for a long time. It's also going to be a system that will help you to prevent the resentment from forming. Um, so it can be used for both things. And then I am going to get to the whoppers. So if you're thinking, well, wait, <laughs> I got a real, I got a real doozy. Um that, you know, creates invasive thoughts and creates a lot of suffering. And I don't know how I'm going to get free of this. Well, let me tell you, I I have a lot of experience with that. Um, and I I freed myself from a whopper that I, I wasn't sure I would ever be freed from. And so I'm in the last segment, I'm going to share how I did that. Um, so that at the end of the show today, if you find that you are suffering with resentments, you will have a handful of tools um, to start using to begin to free yourself. Um, because um, resentments, if you have any 12-step recovery experience, you'll know that we talk about resentments as the biggest offender. Um, there's a quote that I think is attributed to uh, Carrie Fisher, I want to say, maybe, um, where she says something along the lines of, uh, resentment is like uh, poisoning ourselves and waiting for the other person to die. Um, and so ultimately, there there is a lot of, of reference and attention paid to the destructiveness of a resentment. And anyone who has seen their family fractured, their parental, you know, their relationship with a parent, with a friend, with a sibling, with with an employer, you know what can happen if a resentment forms and it continues and builds and becomes ingrained within a person. It creates a chasm, a, a break, a disconnection, a wound um, that can feel unhealable. And then you know, we don't know how long we're here in this human life. But one of the things that I know, even as somebody who needs a, a, a certain amount of solitude and needs that in order to be okay, I'm introverted, I gain energy from being by myself. But what I also know is that lack of deep, close connections with people who see you and know you and understand you and accept you. It is critically important 
for us as human beings. It's important for our physical health, the health of our brains, the health of our spirits. Just like any species, we need each other and we need to feel connected with each other. And resentments often impact relationships where there's love, where there is some form of connection, because when the event or the series of event happens, of events happen, in order for this sort of painful wounding and potentially this fracture to occur, there were likely, you know, some feelings to begin with. And so, um, you know, I'm hopeful that as we talk through this, that you might find some things or some ideas or some tools that not only help you to start to feel better and to do the work within your own self, but once you've done that, there is healing that is possible. And just before we go into the break, I do want to say one thing. If you're thinking, hmm, I wonder when she's going to talk about how I'm supposed to just forgive the person. She's not going to talk about how you're supposed to forgive the person. We're not going to talk about that today. Later on, we're going to talk about forgiving ourselves, but we're not going to talk about forgiving the other person. That's that's something separate, actually, from this work that we're doing today um, with resentments. You are listening to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? 
Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and we're talking about resentments today. Um, Before the break, we talked about what it is and what it feels like and how it forms and also um, some of the ways in which it can be destructive, um, certainly to to your insides um, and also to your relationships with other humans. All right. So you have a resentment. So let's develop a pivot. Uh, And first, we're going to pause and we're going to breathe because when this starts, when the thing happens, um, pausing and breathing into your belly can keep you from being kind of yanked down the garden path of creating the narrative that we just talked about. So the thing happens, pause, breathe. And here is your four point check. Okay. So I've broken this down into, into hopefully um, four clear steps, and then I've provided all kinds of little details and examples. So the first thing that we're going to do is use compassionate honesty to describe what happened. And compassionate honesty is my term for reporting something like a journalist. Don't add anything, no adjectives, no adverbs, no hyperbole, no exaggeration, none of that. We're just going to report the fact. So here's what that looks like. Um, my partner lied to me. And okay, my partner lied to me. Now I could add all sorts of stuff to that. But once I start to do that, once I start to say my partner lied to me for X number of years, my partner lied to me about, you know, all these things, my partner, you know, lived a double life. I have no idea who I was in a relationship with. Okay, so you can see the difference. So once you start to charge it and 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 add to it and spin it up, it's actually not going to be helpful um, for um, trying, you know, to avoid a resentment or to clear a resentment. So a few other examples. Um, these are not from my life. I I tried to pick a couple of things that are pretty common and that um, you know happen to people and and bother them. Um, so the second example, uh, your mother made a comment about your weight. And so we don't want to add, my mother made a comment about my weight again. My mother made a comment about my, my weight, even though I've told her a million to- times that I don't want to talk about it. When, once we add that, we actually kind of trigger our own hurt and spin ourselves up. Okay. So, and the third one, my friend did not attend my wedding. And okay, so that is compassionate honesty. Just state the thing. Um, and here's what's important. So it first, it helps us um, to not be led down the garden path of the narrative, but also here's the here's the super important key to this. It keeps us from trying to explain, understand, rationalize, oppose, argue with, the other person's motives or reasons or behavior. Human beings spend a tremendous amount of time in our own minds trying to understand why other human beings do what they do. And let me tell you, it is a road 
to Nowheresville. Honestly, you'll never know. We have to accept we're never going to know. Particularly when when somebody mistreats us in a way, we, we don't need to know. We don't need to know why they did that. So focus on compassionate honesty, state it like a journalist, and then we're going to move on to the second piece, which is which is how you kind of, you know, keep from going down the, um, oh my God, can you believe blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you just end up feeling like you got adrenaline coursing through your body and your face is flushed and all the things that happen to us when our emotions spin up, it's already hurting. We're already hurting, right? We don't want to, we don't want to add. So, all right, we're having an emotion. So this is what happens. The thing happens and we have an emotion. Now, this might be intense, but it won't be for long if you let the emotion exist and flow through you and then dissipate. And it'll likely come again um, like a wave. It's okay. Because once you start to practice this, you're, you're going to know what to do um, when your emotions come up. Um, now, there's, there's, three, there's three sort of sub parts to this next step, right? Where we're going to name our emotion. We're going to feel our emotion and we're going to purge that emotion. So again, it doesn't mean that it's not going to come back and need to be purged again, but it is really, really important to begin to understand your emotions, to, to be able to name them, to know that you can feel them and let them flow through you and it won't kill you. You're not going to die. I know it feels scary and it can feel like, oh my God, if I let myself feel this, I don't even know. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Yes, it can be intense and painful, but if we don't let these things flow through us and purge them, they stick. They stick inside of us. And when they stick inside of us, we reach for anesthesia, like food and alcohol and drugs and spending and acquiring and gambling and sexual behavior that might not be in our best interest, all those things happen because we're hurting and we're suffering. All right, so let's name the emotion. And we're gonna just keep using our three examples. Your partner lied to you. You feel worthless. That's what I felt. I felt worthless. Um, your mother made a comment about your weight. You feel humiliated and reduced. Your friend did not attend your wedding you feel confused and hurt. So that's all we're doing, okay? We're naming the emotion that we're feeling as it is connected to the, the injury, basically, um, that occurred. And then we're gonna feel it and we wanna feel it such that we can purge it. So here are some things that you might do while you are managing through this uncomfortable emotion, you might cry. It, it might be an emotion that is sad and painful and hurtful or that makes you angry and crying can cleanse that out. And if you're someone that has difficulty crying, maybe practice that a little bit because being able to cry and cleanse yourself with crying across all genders um, can just be very helpful. You can talk to someone about how you're feeling. So let me be specific here. You can tell someone you trust how you feel. Now, when you're picking that person, 
You don't want them to judge or question or try to solve or try to make your feelings go away or to explain them or try to explain maybe what the other person was thinking, all that stuff. You don't want that. You want someone who knows how to bear witness to you and and your emotions and to treat you with compassion. You may or may not have somebody like that in your life. Okay. Um, But if you do, that is a great, um, that is a great way to go ahead and move through the emotion that you're feeling. Um, You can primal scream. And if you share walls, um, maybe into your pillow, uh, or if you don't share walls and you don't think that anybody's going to call emergency services, just primal scream and get it out. You can go for a walk, which is ancient medicine to clear a block. Uh, It's ancient medicine for clearing a creative block. It's ancient medicine for um, an emotional block. And I do want to be clear, um, if you use the walk, it does need to be outside, not on a a treadmill. Um, There is a piece to that walk that is about being in nature and your eyes taking in the trees and looking at the sidewalk to make sure that you don't trip over a crack and being, you know, where are the cars in relation to me and, you know, maybe encountering some other humans. So um, if you're going to use the walk, um, do walk outside. You can also use sleep. So the two kind of ancient um, medicines for blocks are sleep and and walking outdoors. Um, If you use sleep, um, last week we talked to Eric Maisel about using sleep um, to sleep think. And so if you are somebody who, for instance, you know you're feeling something, but when you go to try to name it, you just feel kind of immobilized. You might um, ask yourself before sleep, I wonder what I might be feeling. You might put it in the form of a wonder, just something gentle. I wonder what I might be feeling. And then um, in order to sleep think, you ask yourself that before you go to sleep. And then when you wake up, the first thing you do is you ask yourself that question again. I wonder what I might be feeling because your brain has been working on that while you've been sleeping and what, what emerges might be um, really quite epiphanous. It's hard to know. Um, But if you really let what's happening inside of you flow out, um, you may be surprised. You can run fast. You can lift weights. You can go to the boxing gym and punch the heavy bag You can take a shower, which can sometimes just really, I don't know, there's something about that that just feels like a reset. You can turn your music on and just dance your ass off. I think you get the idea. Okay. So you don't have to just sit in that feeling and ugh, like (laughs) you can, you can sit in it and feel it. And sometimes I find myself, I'm going to scoot away from my microphone to do this. So when I'm trying to sort of purge something out of myself, I'll do something like um, it'll. This is what comes out. Blah, blah. Like, like I'll just make noises and just blah, like get it out of me. Whatever you need to do. Now, okay. I really want to. Here's something I really want to um, make sure that I'm clear about too. So we're not avoiding our feelings. We're not going for a run and avoiding our feelings. Okay, we're, we're going for the run so that we can process that feelings, feel those feelings, and purge those feelings. Now, purging is different from venting. Um, and let's take anger. 
um, because anger is probably the best example here. Um, you've probably been around somebody or maybe you're, you've um, experienced this yourself that you're angry and you vent it. So something happens and you lose your temper and maybe you're short with someone and, you know, it feels like a little bit of, like a little bit of steam gets released. Um, but, but as we're venting that steam, we're actually also giving it oxygen because um, we're not getting at the source of it. We're not purging it. We're not acknowledging it. We're not, you know, feeling through it. We're, we're, yeah, we're venting it. So um, there is a difference. Um, we're not avoiding and we're not venting. Um, we're purging. Now, if you have difficulty um, identifying your emotions, you can use a cheat sheet. There's a whole bunch um, of things available online. Some of them have just just words. If you're somebody who prefers to just have um, the words of the emotions spelled out, there's others of them that have little faces that you can look at, um, which can also help you to kind of find the face that seems to match what's going on and see what that um, emotion is that's described underneath it. Um, and so again, this is just a practice. There's also uh, something on Amazon called Jar of Feelings. Um, there, it's it's used sometimes for, for children, I think, but honestly, it has a bunch of cards in it and there's just feelings on the cards and you can spread them out and just sort of have a look at them um, and see if there's something in there that uh, resonates with you. So there's all kinds of ways to practice naming your feelings and then going on ahead and feeling and purging. All right, so then we're gonna turn to investigative honesty. So we're complex creatures and we experience life predominantly in our own minds. So I wanna say we, we experience life predominantly in our own minds. So um, that actually gives us lots of, it gives us lots of, of um, things that we can do to, to change the way that we're experiencing life. So in, in many ways, it's a good thing. And we do have to develop a method to question ourselves, to shine a light on our emotions and beliefs. And to do this, you have to be able to separate yourself from your own thoughts and emotions and, and have a supportive and frank conversation with yourself. So um, when we spoke to Dr. Maisel last week, he calls it stepping to the side. I, I personally speak to myself in the second person. I speak to myself in the you um, when, I'm, when I'm talking to myself. And I describe it as coaching myself. Um, that's how, that's what resonates with me. I've coached myself basically through pretty much everything I've ever experienced. And the times that I was able to step to the side and have a conversation with myself and ask myself some questions, th these are where you start to really know yourself, understand yourself, and be able to make decisions for yourself based on the truth of you. So let's see. Okay. My partner lied to me. I feel worthless. So let's investigate that. Why does someone else lying make, make me feel worthless? This is important. This is the error that many humans make. We infer that the way we are treated by another reflects us and not the other. It's not true. The way that someone else acts is simply the way that someone else acts. It's the story that we tell ourselves about that, that tends to deepen um, and sustain our suffering. So, okay, my partner was dishonest. 
What is it about being lied to that makes me not just question my value, but feel like I don't have any value at all? Well, let's see. A lie is a betrayal. It's a violation of trust. Okay. So I was lied to and I felt betrayed and I no longer trusted my partner. But still, why why do I feel worthless? Okay, well, let's follow the breadcrumbs here of, uh, with our investigative honesty. Aha. Self-hate. Self-hate took the opportunity to just weasel its way in, of course, because I'm vulnerable. I'm hurting. I'm traumatized. I'm scared. This is my intimate partnership. It's a big deal. There's no other voice in this world that would tell you or tell me that I'm worthless, but self-hate. There is no other voice that would kick me when I'm down, when I'm fragile, and when I'm hurting. There's no other internal voice that would tell me that I'm worthless except self-hate. And remember, self-hate is mean and self-hate lies. So let's quickly um, apply that to the other two examples. Your mother made a comment about your weight. You feel humiliated and reduced. Self-hate tells you, you better do something about this because your own mother doesn't even accept you. God, you've got to find a way to be the right weight. You better go back on that, that restrictive diet, even though you feel miserable. Okay. So you can see the self-hating narrative that was triggered by a hurtful remark by someone that is important to you. And then the other example, your friend did not attend your wedding. You feel confused and hurt. Self-hate tells you you must not be as important to him as you thought you were. Your friendship isn't what you thought it was. He doesn't care about you in the way you care about him. You would never do that to him. Uh, that one there, I would never do that to you. Just bookmark that for yourself because that is going to be something that's super common, but is also going to flag for you that you might be um, you might be tangling with self-hate um, as part of this experience that you're having with the resentment. Okay, so we are going to recognize these narratives for what they are. They are made up by self-hate and we can unmake them. So we're going to go to commercial and then um, when we come back, we're going to go over step four. Um, and then I'm also going to tell you uh, how to clear a whopper. You're listening to Freedom for Humans and we will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Connect with us and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and um, we are on step four of our four-point check Um to clear and pre- prevent, hopefully, new resentments from forming. Um, the step one, just to recap, um, was to use compassionate honesty to state what happened. Step two is to name, feel, and purge the emotion that goes along with the thing that happened. And step three is to impl- apply investigative honesty, which is have a conversation with yourself, ask yourself some questions. So that you can understand why you are having the emotional experience that you're having, why you were impacted in the way that you were, so that you can parse out what is true and what is being made up by self-hate because self-hate is active. Self-hate, that's what self-hate does. If it's active in your life and it's been active in your life for a long time, it's just going to keep on doing its job until we fire it, basically. So um, we are trying to fire self-hate. Too. We're not trying to furlough self-hate. We're trying to fire self-hate. All right. Step four, apply a lens of unconditional self-love, acceptance, and compassion. And you might be thinking, um, yeah, great, but <laughs> how am I supposed to do that? Well, okay. You know that self-hate is lying to you. So if we take the narrative about me being worthless um, because I was lied to, by an intimate partner. Um, That whole narrative about my worth was really just made up. It disempowers and confuses me. Um, And imagine, I mean, I don't have to imagine because I was in it, but imagine being in this state, a state of feeling disempowered, confused, and worthless, and having to make an important decision about your long-term partnership. Well, It's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to make a clear, loving, compassionate decision for yourself while self-hate is peppering you with with made-up stuff. We can't make compassionate and supportive decisions for ourselves if self-hate is present and active. So we need to send it packing, kick it out of the car, move your patootie into the driver's seat, call the butler. For a while, I had a butler in my mind. Uh, to just escort 
um, these thoughts out, um, escort self-hate out over and over, and you just keep sending it out until it realizes you mean business. You smell the stink of it and you take out the trash. It's not helping you. It's tearing you down. So if you have a decision to make, such as whether to stay in your marriage or partnership or in your job or to keep a friend in your life or to set a sensitive boundary to protect yourself, it's critically important to make the decision by applying a lens of unconditional self-acceptance. And that that is to know who you are, what is important to you, and what is the most loving and compassionate choice for you and then make that choice. And it it does require you to really care about yourself and to care more about yourself than you do about other people or how you look to other people or whether other people approve of you. It does require you to let go of all those things in order to be unconditionally self-accepting. Okay, um, so those are the four steps treat yourself with compassion. Again, it's a practice, but as you, as you shine a light on the lies of self-hate and you tell self-hate to just scoot along, what you're left with is the compassionate truth of what is happening to, to you and a practice that allows you to feel your feelings and purge them and then to care for yourself with love and compassion as you would anybody who you love that's hurting. Okay, so let's talk about how to clear the whopper. Now, you decide whether it's a whopper. That's completely up to you. My whopper doesn't need to be the same as your whopper. Um, So my whopper, um, it was about my intimate partnership. And because that was a 14-year partnership, and when I became aware that there was dishonesty, and um, when I became aware that there was dishonesty, you know, I also became aware that it had happened over a number of years. And so I guess I'm just explaining that um, so that you understand why it was a whopper for me. But again, it, it, you know, it could be something that sounds small to someone else, but it's big to you. It only needs to matter to you. So you're going to create an inventory and there's three columns. And the first column at the top of the first column, you can just put this in Excel or Word or if you prepare to write on paper, um, just make a little table with three columns. In the first column, it's going to be the thing. And that's just your compassionate honesty. What happened? You just write down the thing. So um, the thing, I'll just keep with our examples. Um, My partner lied to me. In the second column, you're going to put the impact. Now, as you've worked through the steps, you, you will have familiarized yourself with the impact that that thing had on you because you will have been practicing naming your feelings and then doing some investigation and having a conversation with yourself to try to understand, well, what's going on with these feelings and where are they coming from and, and what, what, what do I really need? So in there, in the impact, um, following our example, I feel worthless, betrayed, and I no longer trust my partner. In the third column, you're going to write my part or your part, um, however you speak to yourself. So in the third column is going to be your part. Now, will there be things that go on on the, the inventory that you don't have a part in? Perhaps. 
um, I did find um, doing my own work on this that the vast majority of things I, I did have some part in that was part of what was bothering me. Um, and so when you do this, this inventory, remember this is for you. Don't edit yourself. If it arises in your body or your mind, write it on the inventory and be completely honest, even if ugh, you don't even want to write it down. When you don't want to write it down, write it down. That means it needs to needs to like get out of you. So here's what here's what I mean by this. The thing, my partner lied to me. The impact. I felt worthless, betrayed, and no longer trusted my partner. My part. I stayed for three more years. So as I was preparing this for you, um, that is what popped out. Okay, that just naturally popped out of me um, as an example. So let's talk about it. We we haven't talked yet about forgiveness. I mentioned it um, at the top because I think often we believe or we're told, we'll just forgive the other person, just forgive them. Um, in my, <laughs> you might be an awesome, an awesome forgiver, practicer of forgiveness. Um, I, I have not found um, that to be all that helpful with my resentments, not when I'm still working through them. It, it's almost like trying to jump to the conclusion without having read the whole story. Um, however, forgiveness is important when we are applying it to ourselves. So we're going to apply, we're not going to talk about forgiveness of other people. That is important. And we can talk about that at another time, but not today. So today we're going to talk about forgiving ourselves and what emerges in just the first line of this inventory is a need to forgive myself, to acknowledge I was being run by self-hate. I am a trauma survivor. I reacted to the trauma of finding out those things about my relationship by, by doing what many trauma survivors do, which is by trying harder. We try harder to fix things. And in this case, I tried to fix myself so that I would not be the sort of woman that gets lied to and betrayed and left. That is the narrative that was going on. You, you, you are at fault for this. Somehow you were not good enough to warrant honesty. This is, this is what's at play here. So do you see how backwards that is? Someone lies and betrays me and I feel like I have to improve myself so that it won't happen again. Ugh. So my inventory, um, it was 12 pages, I believe, um, single spaced. And what I want to say about that is there were, there were big things and small things on it. I put absolutely everything on it. Everything that ever made me feel bad, made me feel excluded, all those things. I put on there. Okay, so let's jump to our couple of other examples. Your mother made a comment about your weight. You felt humiliated and reduced. Your part. You're practicing self-acceptance. You planned to set a boundary with her. You didn't. You agreed with her that you should lose some weight. Your friend did not attend your wedding. You feel confused and hurt. Your part. 
You pretended like it didn't bother you, and now it feels silly to bring it up with him. So the common theme there is that we've, we feel as though we've betrayed our, our own selves, that we didn't have our own back, right? Because if somebody makes a comment about your weight and you agree with it, you, you don't have your own back. When somebody, your friend, doesn't come to an important event and you feel hurt and confused, you pretend like it doesn't bother you and then you don't feel like you're important enough to bring it up. So those are the things that are important to unearth, to shine a light on, because those are self-hate's messages to you and their lies and, and um, they need to be exposed as lies so that they can be let go. So work on this inventory. If you've got a whopper, work on your inventory. When you when you can't can't work on it, don't work on it. When you feel like you can, do some work on it. It will likely bring up, it's going to bring up the emotions. When you list those impacts, you're going to feel. And what I did was when I felt in the midst of writing the inventory, I made notes about how I felt even writing the things down. And then I delivered the inventory verbally to somebody else. And so that is a step that often um, people miss. They think, well, I've written it, I've gotten it out, and that's good enough. Um, trust me, if you do take the additional step to deliver this inventory to another human being, not in writing, but verbally, and I mean with your voice, you talk through all of the things that happen, all of the impacts you felt, in all of the ways in which you had a part. And what happened for me is that at a certain point, I didn't care about, I didn't care about delivering it anymore. I delivered it in chunks to a therapist. And at a certain point, I, I, was, I was done. I didn't need to talk about it anymore. I might be able to call up what was on it, but honestly, you know what I did after I, after I finished? I clicked delete and then I emptied the trash. And that's what I'm also going to suggest to you. If you do this inventory, after you've delivered it to another human being, click delete and empty the trash. I'm here to help you. I can help you work through a whopper if you've got one. I can witness your inventory. I have a lot of experience with this and I'm here to help you. You can find me at giraffetangooctopus.com and across social media at GTO Coaching. Thank you so much for listening. We make the show for you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. I will chat with you next week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.